White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Right after, grand slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. Follow me on Twitter at Eckerwall23, Chris Tannehill at Chris Tannehill, and the show Locked On Sox at that same address. If you want to follow us on YouTube, go to Locked On Sox on YouTube, subscribe, Hit the notifications bell for us so you can see when we drop a new video episode of this show. So, with no further ado, Chris Tannehill, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, Herbie. It's episode 162 today. It's Talk to Us Tuesday, of course. We are a baseball season's worth of episodes into our uh, into our tenure here uh, on the Lockdown of White Sox podcast. So, man, oh man, the time is really flying here as we as we slowly creep towards spring training. Hopefully, uh, I want to start out tonight um, by paying off something we talked about at the end of last week, and that was. Your guy, and, I, and I'm putting him on you, even though he follows both of us on Twitter. I'm, I'm putting this on your man, Serby. Mm-hmm. Hector Gomez, the MLB insider out of the Dominican Republic. He's editor of Deportivo Z101, um, sports journalist from the DR. Always plugged into White Sox News. He had the Eloy Jimenez extension uh, ready for you. Um, but if you remember last week... He tweeted out that there's going to be some big news coming uh, for White Sox fans in the next few days, and it's already been about a week's time, and uh, so far here, just crickets. We've got nothing doing here from the White Sox or from uh, Hector Gomez here, and um, there was a development here from the last time we spoke. Uh, someone was following up. A good White Sox fan was doing their due diligence. Uh, this this user, uh, Aaron W19 on Twitter Aaron W. uh, followed up with Hector, says, so where's the news that White Sox fans are supposed to be excited about? Now, if you remember, Herb, I said, I made that mistake myself, and I said, I misquoted the man Hector Gomez, and I said, news the White Sox fans would be happy about. But he never said that. He just said that there's going to be news coming for the White Sox. Uh, He never said anything we'd be happy about. Uh, But then Hector Gomez follows it up. He goes, hi, Aaron, coming soon. And he attaches a photo of himself, Hector Gomez, and to his left is another masked man. They're both masked up. It's a mask. Now, herein lies the rub. It appears to be a masked Nelson Cruz, So, which would lead us to believe, ooh, news coming soon. White Sox signing Nelson Cruz, huh? Now, again, maybe this, this guy is not Nelson Cruz after all. Maybe this guy is like a scout in the Dominican. Maybe he's uh, one of Marco Patti's interns. I have no idea. But you, quote, tweeted Hector Gomez with the – this is unprecedented. Not just the one yes. uh, <laughs> the rolling eyeball emojis. There's two sets of eyeball emojis here uh, with this photo of Nelson Cruz. And uh, would you care to tell me what happened after that? You had a little – this is why he's your guy, Hector Gomez. You had a little bit of a, a back and forth 
uh, retort with Hector Gomez on said topic. Would you care to explain to the Lockdown White Sox listeners uh, what's going on here? Yeah, the eyes were meant to <laughs> signify, oh, wow, <laughs> that's happening? Wow, he's really with Nelson Cruz, so the man really has some good stuff. That's awesome. And then he replied to that, the eyes, by saying, do you remember the 21st night of September? No, friends, I don't. <laughs> um, just do you remember, question mark, and with a picture of his, uh, well, of Ken Rosenthal's tweet that says that Hector Gomez got the the drop on the Eloy and Menace extension with the White Sox. And so that was the tweet he sent to me. And I wrote back to him. I was like, I never doubt you, my man. And so I was kind of weirded out that he would write that. Like he, I don't know if, you know, like you thought that it was a derisive tweet by me to Hector, like, you know, oh, here we go again type of thing. Oh, never. I would never think that. But I just, I, I was he, excited too because we were texting like after that. We were like, I think I was the one that, that pointed you out to it and then you tweeted about it. So yeah, yeah. What, wasn't like to, no, because, you know, a lot of people take shots at Hector because he's certainly been wrong before, but he's also been right. Yeah. He took it the wrong way. Like, hey, you know, this is my bona fides. I've, Got other dudes out here who are respected in the business telling you that I broke this Eloy story. And he's trying to say that to me as if, like, I was saying something that was not friendly to him. But my tweet back to him is like, no, man, I never doubt you. I got you, my man. And then, you know, pretty much he was like, yeah, you know, trust me. I wish the best for the White Sox. I, uh, they deserve to win a World Series. He also said, God bless you, my friend. Oh, yeah. Very nice of on. him, yeah. Yeah, very much. <laughs> but yeah, he nice. says, trust me, I wish the best for the White Sox fans. They deserve to win a World Series. Well, who can argue with that, Hector? Uh, but so far, nothing doing here on the Nelson Cruz front, and it's got us kind of worried a little bit. So I'm going to have to ask, Kirby, what's up with you and your mans? Sending us off like know, this. Man. I mean, <laughs> he's at a party with Nelson Cruz, Boomstick, having a good, enjoyable conversation, and then he wants to spread this news that, you know, he see, this is the thing. He has plausible deniability. He's teasing these things where you can say, if he does sign, hey, man, I told you. Nelson Cruz is going to sign, dog. Come on now. <laughs> I told you all this stuff while not telling us all this stuff. Or if he doesn't sign, he's like, no, like you were saying, it's like that's uh, that wasn't Nelson Cruz, dude. That was, that was my dude, Ricky, the next door man. Ricky, Ricky loves the White Sox. Good dude. And I said, and he said news, like you pointed out. He said news, not good news. And the news is Ricky enjoys the White Sox. My homie <laughs> enjoys the White Sox. I never said you're gonna get uh, my man Boomstick. Come on now. So I, it's, it's a clever way to get interest for himself. Maybe, you know, these dudes are using him in that regard. Like, hey, my market's not where it needs to be. So I need to leak that the White Sox are out here about to sign me. So other teams who want to sign me, who I really want to go to, are about to call my agent up and see if we can get a deal up. Maybe they're using him in that regard. And he's part of this whole elaborate hoax. Or he's really good. Like, and sometimes they do give him good information in that regard, like the Eloy and Menace uh, deal thing. So I don't know. Yeah. If he comes through in this one, I'm never doubting my man again. Yeah, man. I, I texted you. Like, when I saw the photo of Nelson Cruz, it just made me just so excited about being out at, at a ball game. 
Like, not because I'm sure Nelson Cruz is going to be a sure thing in 2021, but the idea of him getting one last good year at age 40, the age 40 season out of Nelson Cruz, just being a part of this White Sox dynamic lineup and just hitting home runs all over the place and, and you know, chugging beers at the ballpark and seeing people that you haven't seen in almost two years out of the ballpark. Like, all of those thoughts came flooding through my head, and Nelson Cruz was at the epicenter of it. But, yeah, I think the truth is always – Somewhere in the middle. I'm sure the White Sox have inquired about Nelson Cruz. I'm sure that's one of those guys where Tony La Russa saw him play up close and personal. He doesn't want him to bring his glove out there. You know, he was playing for the Rangers when the Cardinals won their World Series in 11. You know, and, you know, Rick Hahn probably, yeah, he's killed us in the division for years. But I'm sure it's one of those things where they've reached out, they've sent a feeler, and they're just waiting for some finances to, to fall in line to what they're looking to pay. And I'm sure also Nelson Cruz, like you said, he's got some incentive too to you know have the White Sox check in on him so he can go to a preferred destination. We don't know where that is going to be at this point, but he'll latch on somewhere you'd think. you know, it's, He still had a productive year in 2020, but yeah, man, truth is always somewhere in the middle, and we'll see how this one plays out. But yeah, as it sits right now, I would love to see the White Sox try to, to squeeze one more good year uh, in 2021 out of Nelson Cruz before Andrew Vaughn comes up because I'm leaving nothing to chance. We talked about it uh, a bunch of times here on the show. So, yeah, man, we'll see uh, what Hector says in the next coming days. Something, you know, I'm sure people are following up with him every day, and, and we'll see how we, uh, how he responds. But uh, so far, nothing much out of Hector today. So, yeah, man, uh, should we uh, take a quick time out and open up the mailbag? Let's do it. All right. We'll be back in a minute on Locked on White Sox. A lot of grout. Got a grout. Yeah. Got a lot of great questions for the mailbag, but first, we're brought to you today by our friends at betonline.ag. You guys ready for some football? Well, the big game's coming. It's next Sunday already. I can't wait. The matchup's set. It's going to be Tampa Bay and Kansas City. And taking a look at the point spread here early, you can get in on it early at betonline.ag. You're looking at right now, the Chiefs are three-and-a-half-point favorites here. In Tampa, where the Bucks play their home games, a rare home Super Bowl for Tampa. Right now, the over-under set, 56-and-a-half. And a lot of interesting things you could do here on betonline.ag. What are you looking at here early as we talk about the big game? Well, after seeing that Kansas City Chiefs domination on that Sunday night game, I put down all the money I have on BetOnline AG for the three at the time for the Kansas City the Chiefs that they were laying for the Super Bowl. I just was just so happy that Kansas City dominated that game versus the Buffalo Bills, and I saw the Bucks play well but struggle versus the Green Bay Packers, and I don't see a way where Kansas City Chiefs are going to lose that game versus the Tampa Bay Bucks, even if it is the Tampa Bay Bucks home stadium. Yeah, so don't sit on the sidelines for the big game. Get in on the action here with our friends at betonline.ag. And now, if you sign up today, use our promo code LOCKDOWN, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And we're also brought to you by rockauto.com. You know, there's so many different makes and models of automobiles these days, it's impossible to stock all the parts your car is ever going to need in your traditional chain storefront. So why endure the often pointless or intimidating questions like is your car an LX or is it an EX and you got to go out to the car because you don't remember and you wait for the person at the counter to check their inventory on the parts that only their store has why go through that 
when you have the inventory of rockauto.com right in your pocket. It's on your cell phone. Just pull it up and you can find any maker model, any type of auto part your car will ever need. And there's so many different reasons to maintain your automobile these days. But one, obviously the biggest one is to save money so you can spend your money on more important things in life. So why would you choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more on the exact same auto parts at a chain store or even a new car dealership? You see, because chain stores, they offer different products price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and always reliably low. rockauto.com offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market's going to bear like how airlines do. rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. You just pull up rockauto.com right there on your phone, search the parts you need, buy them, have it shipped to you and just wait for it to arrive. No logging in, forgetting your password like I do, waiting to, for an email confirmation. None of that stuff at rockauto.com. Their catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices that you prefer. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and do us a favor, won't you? Write Locked On in their How'd You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. And now, back to Locked On White Sox. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcast. All right, Herbie, should we open up the bag? Let's do it. A lot of emails. We're going to try to get to some. There's another email. I love email. It's Talk To Us Tuesday on Locked On White Sox. How can they, the Locked On White Sox listeners, get us, Locked On White Sox, an email for us to read during one of our fabulous off-season, let's kill some time, and I can't wait for the real games to start, mailbag segments? <laughs> LockedOnSox at gmail.com. Email us at LockedOnSox at, <laughs> LockedOnSox at gmail.com with your questions, comments. Don't have to be socks or baseball related. Send them. We'll read them. And not all of them make it to the show. Uh, yeah, a lot of them do. Uh, yeah, it's a good gig if you can get it. Baseball podcaster in the month of January. It's a good gig. We got it. Uh, you come at us. All right. So uh, we begin uh, this portion of the mailbag with one from at Sox Supporter One on Twitter. Another uniform question. I feel like we're talking with Sully again. Uh, hey, guys, never miss a podcast. I love the Sox uniforms, but I had a thought. What would you think of adding some red into their color scheme so that the Sox, Bulls, and Hawks all have the same colors, similar to Pittsburgh with the Stillers, Pirates, and Pence? That's at Sox Supporter one on Twitter. What do you think about adding a little red into the mix for the White Sox colorway? <laughs> um, like the old Dick Allen red White Sox uniforms, they could just bring those yes. back. But to leaving the classic uh, pinstripe and the old English SOX as is is where I'm at on uniforms. The White Sox have finally hit on something. I mean, they've had this uh, SOX for different iterations, but I think when they came out with these in 1990 and for the '91 season. They knocked it out of the park. This is the uniform going into the future. Like we're th- this is our Yankees. We're done. We're not changing this. <laughs> we're this is classic iconic look. 
Um, adding red for a special game, smooth. I'm in for it. And um, if anything, to take your idea about being Pittsburgh-esque in that regard, I would do a more, and I've seen these on Twitter, where you give homage, pay homage to those teams in your town. So the White Sox would wear Bulls-colored uniforms for a game or Blackhawks colored uniforms for a game or bears colored uniforms for a game. And if they want, they go on the opposite. And when the Hawks take the, the ice, I've seen them a couple times in practice where these white Sox uh, sweaters just do that for a game. It'll be really nice. But with all the Hawks insignia, you know, if you still want to have the Indian head there and the stuff on the shoulders, cool. But with black and silver and white as your main colors, instead of the red, and the white so that would be more smooth in that regard than us being uniformed by pittsburgh because that is a unique one-of-kind thing and kudos to them for getting that like your whole town is notified by your black and yellow use is awesome and it works like i love that about pittsburgh like everything matches every it's a unified front I just miss Pittsburgh, man. That's all I want to do this year is to go to Pittsburgh in June, for Christ's sake. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, the, the sports teams could be in harmony and do it where they have like a uh, where they pay homage to homage to the Chicago flag because the White Sox with the powder blue seventy two jerseys, like the Dick Allen era, which I hope they bring back this year to honor Dick Allen. Then you have the Bulls; they have their they don't wear it this year. They have an, an atrocious. Uh, city colorway, which is not really a colorway for the city. It's sort of like a takeoff on the Chicago Theater logo. It's trash. They wore it, uh, I think they wore it against the Lakers the other night. Uh, but they do have from last year and year before the the baby blue Chicago flag, the stripe on the Chicago flag colors uh-huh. with the red stars on it. That's an, I love those. That's an awesome look for the Bulls. So you could have the Sox and Bulls in harmony there. And the Cubs, they had, I think, one powder blue back in the day when they had the, a, a navy blue pinstripe with, with powder blue-ish underneath, I think, like a Fergie Jenkins era, think of like that. So you could have a unified front. And the Bears, the Bears, you can just kick them the hell out, man. I'm done with the Bears. I, don't, I really don't care what they do anymore at this point. So, yeah, you could have uh, two baseball teams and a basketball team on board, and that, that's, a, that's good enough for me right there. And, you know, the Blackhawks, you can do whatever. But, uh, yeah, sorry, Ryan, I don't think it's going to happen, you know, unless, unless they're straight up doing a retro of the 1990 uniform which is like my second favorite or they're gonna you know shout out dick allen and the south side hitmen this year i think that would be smooth too but i don't think adding a new uh version with with red i don't think that would work so well thank you sock supporter one for uh, reaching out with that one uh moving on here oh look it, it's been a while since we talked to him it's pete hand hello my name is mr hand I don't know what he's been up to, but he said, I've just wrapped up a long podcast listening session with your latest that dropped this morning, the Liam Hendricks talk, and I loved the shout-out to Jason Hoskins. I do have one thing that I cannot stop thinking about, and I need your help to, quote, knock some sense into me. Trevor Bauer makes so much sense for this team, and his agent Rachel Luba has been playing games with some White Sox things on Twitter. I can't help but think maybe... Please feel free to slap some sense into me if need be. FYI, the new cookie dough built bars are incredible. That's Pete Hand. Come on, Pete Hand. You know better than this. Season ticket holder. Slap some sense into him, Herb. Trevor Bauer's not coming here. <laughs> oh, man, I wish. I wish. I wish. 
I wish I would. I was a hundred percent on the White Sox not getting Trevor Bauer, but the silence like is still weird to me. Like I feel they're laying in the weeds for someone else rather than Nelson Cruz, who has been rumored to be a White Sox. <laughs> oh yeah, We're let's. Not gonna get into that, <laughs> but I think you know this is the time when they're just laying in the weeds and they're just like you don't hear any noise about it. You hear other teams, Dodgers checking on Trevor Bauer, other teams checking in on Trevor Bauer. And when you don't hear the White Sox, you're like, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe they're striking. Maybe they got something up their sleeve. And that would, man, it would be a culmination of an awesome offseason. And mark to everybody else in the league, the White Sox are a World Series contender now with a starting rotation that can match the bullpen, that can match the offense. And where are you going to beat us at type of type of move? Um, not a fan of his bullying tactics on Twitter. Hopefully he can pay for that. He can talk uh, to the White Sox and talk to the media on the first day and uh, clear the air on that. And the person he agreed to can send a, her a note. But as far as the player, he's ascending. He's been ascending for a long time. I used to hate the guy because I thought he was all – at antics and no action and he would blow up every once in a while but he put it together in a Cy Young award-winning season in 2020 and I'm looking forward to him doing more of that because he's one of the new athletes who talks and then backs up his talk like a lot of people talk like our guy Timmy talks but that dude talks and makes that walk look right too and I think Trevor's the same way and he doesn't mind when somebody gets him and pimps it a little bit, understands. He's like, all right, game on, dude. I remember when I was mad at him the most is when he told my man Avi Garcia to go sit down after he struck him out. I was so <laughs> pissed at that man, so yeah. pissed. And then I think Avi got him the year after. And I was like, I tweeted at me. He's like, you go sit down. And, you know, me being a White Sox fan, out, a little outspoken, he was probably like, oh, that was awesome. I enjoyed him doing that because I want – because I don't tell a motherfucker to sit down when I strike him out on a filthy pitch, too. So I like a dude who talks and then backs that talk up. So if the White Sox can find a way, just some way that they just want to win this year, try to win. Go and get Trevor Bauer. Go and get Ozuna. Fuck it. Go get both of them. Real quick about Trevor Bauer. We haven't really talked in depth that much about his – his, his personal history, obviously, most people know about the drone incident and missing a game in the in the World Series and, and, and you know, slicing his finger open. I don't know a lot about the social media history. Like, I know just anecdotally people would say, oh, Trevor Bauer is the worst. And I know it's my job to know, um, but I don't really care about a lot of that stuff. Like, I, I don't know a lot of the history behind it. I don't know if he was shaming a journalist or something like that. I, I don't. I don't know the logistics of it. But do you think that has any bit of a role to play into this? Like, there are no free, perfect free agents. We know that, unless it's Manny Machado. He was close to perfect as you can get, and the White Sox blew it. But there are no perfect free agents. Everyone's got their baggage, or there's no perfect players. Like, he's certainly not a perfect pitcher. Uh, had a great year last year and a great postseason, but do you think any of the extra stuff that comes along with it, the outspokenness, which is absurd if that's part of it, but we know Rick Hahn looks at Twitter. We know he hates tw- Twitter negativity, and uh, fortunately, like like most of corporate America now, they sort of run their companies by judging by what Twitter says. You know, like do you think that's 
part of why you have not heard uh, the White Sox in the mix to this point? Do you think they're going to use that as an excuse uh, to not spend the money, his, his, his previous social media history? I mean, I think it has a lot to do with the Trevor Bauer has not been signed. Uh, we're almost in February. Pitchers and catchers are going to report in a couple weeks. And you see how people are acquiring pitchers right now. Trevor's available. People are going to Jamison Tyone. They're going to Joe Musgrove. They're going to Hugh Darvish. They're going to Snell. Like, people are acquiring players, but they're not acquiring him. Is it because he doesn't want or he hasn't hit the deal that he thinks he wants? Maybe. But also that could be in part, like you're saying, like people like, ah, the player, yeah, 100% worth what we're going to be offering him or what we think that he wants. But that extra nonsense wants to market himself and put cameras in our, you know, following him and all this extra stuff. Maybe old school owners, general managers are like, mm, the juice is not worth the squeeze there. I like the player. I like the, the 32 starts he gives me per, but now I got to worry about the 100 and other 73 days. I got to be with them for that year where, yeah, great start, but damn, shut up. <laughs> Stop talking, man. You're messing up a chemistry or some shit like that. I don't mind that stuff, but I could see an owner, somebody old school, somebody who's just all about the game being like, nah, turns me off. Or also, hey, only one great year of success. All the rest of them decently mediocre, above average, but you know, nothing spectacular. So I could see both ways, but I think the player is ascending and you need to catch him in these next couple of years. Yeah, man, you just you got to pay the price, man. Like you know, you're you're bound to have a contract that's not worth it on the, on the back end, but on that front end, oh man, you got your money's worth right there because that guy helped you win a World Series. He he pitched you know seven eight innings in in a series clinching victory in the postseason. You know he pitches a World Series game where he's the best guy out in the field, and and he single handedly helps you win a World Series and bring you a World Series title for the first time. In, in 16 years, you know, like that, that's those things you sometimes you have to pay for on the back end a little bit. But like we always say, banners fly forever, right? Like, you know, it's you can't just keep kicking a can down the road and try to, you know, nickel and dime it every single year. Like you have to get rid of that stigma of Sox never signed the, the, the most coveted free agent on the market. Like I know they signed Keuchel and this and that. That's all well and good. But like this is a, a, a different caliber of player right here entering his prime you saw him you saw it on full display in the postseason this past year like you go out and grab him man like he will you, we talked about how the Padres and, and the Dodgers are at an arms race here and now if you look over at the Yankees now the Yankees are solidifying themselves a little bit like you're you're not the front runner here so like we should act accordingly and try to get better so I don't think it'll happen and I would love to smack some sense into you into you Pete but we're all just dreamers here as White Sox fans we're just hoping what if because we know the team is already so good and we're just so close uh, yet somehow so far away so thank you Pete as always for checking in and thanks for supporting our friends at Built Bar uh, like I just did and bought myself a case of coconut. Uh, next one here from our guy Sam in Hinsdale. Sam says, hi, Herb and Chris. My question is, comparing our last offseason moves, where it ended up around being nine moves in total versus our three moves so far this year, we've done a great job filling our current needs at starting pitching, right field, and closer so far. So if you had to do six more moves to put the team over the top, 
What six moves would you specifically like to see? Anyways, what are you guys' thoughts? Sam and Hinsdale. Herb, I don't think this team needs to make six moves, but if you, what would be, let's start with the first move that, that you'd make other than sign Trevor Bauer. What would you do to improve this ball club around the margins? Well, you need a designated hitter. Um, the current situation with Andrew Vaughn, I don't think it's tenable for a 162-game season. So I would sign Marcelo Zuna to be the designated hitter or downshift to Nelson Cruz, who is a better designated hitter. He's been doing it for longer. So that would be my first move. I mean, if we can do both, I'm all good for that too. It's always good to have more people than you need too. Um, then let's see, starting pitching. I need a starter. So we've already marked off the Trevor Bauer thing. So just give me a guy that can give the team uh, 175 innings. You know, you know, you really see 200 innings anymore, especially on the back end of the rotation. So give me a guy who's a four starter that won't lose your games. Uh, where Dallas Keuchel was last year, what, what you thought you were going to get from Dallas Keuchel, and he gave you a much better season than you were expecting last year. Give me that type of guy um, for the White Sox four starter. I don't know who's what, out Well, there yeah, I got, the, I got the list in front of me here, Herbie. I think we can yeah. find some common ground. I think – a White Sox thing to do would be to be out on the Trevor Bauer sweepstakes, but then immediately swoop in on that second tier market because that's what happened. That's what they did last year with uh, Garrett Cole. Like after Garrett Cole signed, you know, uh, all of a sudden the White Sox swooped in and, and scooped up Keuchel. Both of those guys were Boris clients, I believe. And there, there we are. And they swooped in to get the, uh, the, the sloppy seconds, but he wasn't so sloppy. Dallas Keuchel was really good. And we were all elated about Dallas Keuchel. So when I look at starting pitchers available, uh, one of the guys that sticks out to me right now is Jake Ororizzi. He's uh, 31 years old, a pretty good year last year, but you're, you're subtracting from your division rival, and that's a guy who you could put in the back end of your rotation and be okay with that, wouldn't you think? Oh, yeah. I won Jake Ororizzi last year when he opted back in with the Minnesota Twins smartly, took the offer that they had out there for the one-year uh, tender, and yeah, his numbers look really good in the point you made about addition by subtraction. You take the twins, one of their pitchers off of their roster, and then you put them to yours. I mean, he wasn't as good as he was the year before, but I only count full years. Like right. 2020 stats won't deter me from getting Jake Odorizzi. When he was about to be walking in 2019, he put up a three and a half ERA. That's exactly what you're looking for. 160 innings perfect give me that guy at the back end of my rotation i know that he won't give me like spectacular spectacular starts but he'll give me above average most of the time and with my offense in the bullpen i got <laughs> we're smooth yeah i mean you know i don't know if you're gonna have jose ruiz in your bullpen you know, but then again the, like those guys don't matter as much because those are your like ahead by a lot behind by a lot guys so ultimately i know everyone matters but like it's not something that i'd be you know like i'm not i'm not accounting for moves like that in terms of moves that i'm gonna make as i'm sitting here pretending to be rick Hahn with my teflon suit uh but other notable starting pitchers still available <laughs> tanaka still out there paxton still out there um, Porcello still out there. Wainwright, the obvious uh, Tony La Russa connection. So there, there's a lot of viable options, and I, you know, I would not be, uh, you know, I, I'd be upset if they didn't, if they weren't in on, on Trevor Bauer. But there's, there's still some good options out there that can solidify your ball club if you don't want to roll the dice on Cease and Kopech this year. Uh, but another position that we've been talking about a lot, man, that needs to get rectified, in my opinion, is backup catcher. 
And that would be the, one of the first moves I'd make after acquiring a, start, a starting pitcher is I'd look for a backup catcher. We It seems like insignificant, but we've been talking about it a lot this offseason, but it's a position that's important because one of your best guys on your team last year in terms of leadership and just going out there every day and being a good team guy, being a smart guy, you know, anchoring the pitching staff was James McCann, and now you lose him, so you need uh, uh, someone backing up Yasmani Grandal because you know people say that Yasmani Grandal is great defensively, maybe great at framing and and keeping runners at bay, but the other stuff was a little sloppy last year, and maybe we can just throw that away. But we still need someone to back up Yasmani, and we've been talking about it for for a while now. He's thirty five years old. But a guy who's been here before, if we're doing the, the reunion thing, but a guy who I always liked his presence behind behind the plate, a good pitch framer, um, a, a, a tough-as-nails t- sort of guy, Tyler Flowers, I think is the makes the perfect sense to back up Yasmani Grandal if you don't want to have Zach Collins as your backup catcher. What do you what do you think about T-Flow for those who may have missed it? Oh, yeah. I'm a big-time fan of him coming back to the White Sox would be inexpensive, a veteran, you know, with probably in the mold of Tony Russo, old school, doesn't play around too much, can hit a fastball over the plate or over the fence if he need be when he does get a opportunity to get a bat. Not, you know, great hitter, but a guy who can handle the stick a little bit. And like you said, before he left, you know, Chris Sale had his faith in him. He was a good pitch framer. He had worked on his game in that regard. And so I don't think that went down in his time in Atlanta. It seemed like he was wiped by there. He's down there for a good five years, good five seasons. So I would be be a perfect a guy that's not a starter. He knows his role now. He's been a backup catcher pretty much his whole career, except for the couple of years with the White Sox at the end of his career. So he understands what his role is and can give you a quality at bat and a quality caught game when he is in the lineup. Yeah, I think he's a Georgia boy too, though. I think so. I think maybe he likes yes. likes it being there, and they got a good thing going in Atlanta. That that division, the NL East, everyone's trying to compete out there. So who knows? Like, I don't know if you can lure him back so easily. I certainly would love to see it. And and circling back to the DH thing, you know, Nelson Cruz going to be forty. You know, obviously, I prefer Ozuna. You know, but I just worry so much about Nelson Cruz, like doing the Edwin Encarnacion thing, because he's two years older than Ed- Edwin Encarnacion, and and to see how that transpired with Edwin and his parrot, oh, his poor deceased parrot uh, <laughs> in 2020, <laughs> I, I just I just would hate to see that happen. But it seems like, you know, all of a sudden you're seeing all the MLB pipeline things, so the tweets and scouting reports, like they're all pumping up Andrew Vaughn here as a can't miss high ceiling low you know low floor guy so or high floor guy you know so uh, you know I, I think I'm resigned to that fate but I certainly would not settle while I'm in my World Series window but not a lot of great DH options out there you mentioned Cruz Osuna Edwin is still out there I, I doubt you want to run that back from what you saw Sinsu Chu wants to play again Brad Miller's out there Derek Dietrich you know then you get talking about Pablo Sandoval and the other Cespedes you can only have one Cespedes um, Matt Matt Adams and uh, Matt Kemp also out there. So, you know, there's not a lot of great options out there for DH, but in theory you'd like to be able to find those guys, you know, uh, rotate them out or whatever. But I, I'd still – I would have preferred Schwarber, but that is, uh, you know, alas, that's not an option anymore. So uh, thank you, Sam. That's the good thing about the Sox team, right? There's not a lot of – they don't have to make six more moves. Like you're talking two or three, and you're like, damn, this, this team is a World Series competitor. Like I think they are now. But you make two or three solid moves like w- ones we just mentioned, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, man, you can probably punch your ticket 
uh, into the ALCS, I would think, if, if no injuries and things go right. So, but yeah, Sam, thank you very much for checking in as always. So, uh, wrapping it up here, got a couple more left. Next one coming in from Ryan from Chicago. And I, I love this one, man. Uh, given this weekend would have been Sox Fest, what are your favorite memories of Sox Fest? I've never been to Sox Fest. <gasps> oh, my God. As a fan. <clears throat> I've gone to SoxFest as a worker at the score, but I've never actually in, experienced it as a fan. I've never been an autographed dude and, you know, working in the industry, you get to see enough of these guys. And so I started my career luckily enough when I was 20 years old. So it really wasn't any time for me to be like a fan. Hey man, I really look up to this player and I want to go and see him. Um, in a setting so I can get an autograph. That never appealed to me. And if it does to you, I'm not saying it, that's a bad thing. It just never was a thing for me. So I never really uh, made it a point to have Sox. I said, you know, my family wasn't Sox fans growing up. So my Sox was just by myself. I had my, my mom, my stepfather, and my two older sisters. So none of them cared about the White Sox. They just cared about them because I did. So uh, that's uh, my thing. I just other Soxfest things are that I mean, I got to meet Paul Canerco for the first time, I think, at Soxfest. Shake shook his hand while he sat down and had a conversation with somebody. Gordon Beckham, too, back in the day when he was real hot. I think this was his second year, going into his second year, so the doom was coming. But I got to say what's up to him. Maybe I caused it a little bit, <laughs> saying what's up to him. Maybe he shook his hand a little too tough. Couldn't <laughs> hit anymore after that. But, uh, yeah, I – I'm not a big time guy yourself, Tanny. You, I know you've been to a couple as a fan. Yeah, well, you know, I th- I think I was only at one, at one as a fan, and that was the one that I've talked about here on the show before. I think it had to have been '93, going into the '93 season, January '93. My dad took me, and you know, we didn't do the thing where you buy the expensive autograph package and you wait in line because you know. Uh, you know, my, my parents not one for waiting in lines for anything and they've kind of passed that down to me. So I'm thankful for that. But that was the year where my dad took me down there and I got Jack McDowell's autograph by the elevator. My dad flagged him down after, you know, didn't have to wait in a long ass line. We caught blackjack by the elevator. Uh, I, I got a sugar rush on the big hurt candy bars. Um, so, and, you know, just, just had a good time with, with my pops, man. And, and enjoying what was about to, to become uh, the 93 uh, AL West championship team. Like I was white Sox crazy at that time in my life. And, you know, I still am, I suppose, but that like the stuff like that is stuff. I'll always remember good times with your pops and, uh, a lot, a couple of good professional experiences too. Like it was, I was at Sox Fest covering, uh, Sox Fest for the score the last two years, well, this year not counting, but in 19 and 20. And in 19, I remember going there and um, I, I ducked out during the show, d- during the uh, McNeil and Parkin show. I ducked out and was able to slide over to the Hilton and help get interviews for the show. And Shane and I, Shane Reardon and I, were able to get Michael Kopech on the show with Danny. And uh, that, he was just so cool and just talking to him and being around that was an important year in the, in the 19 before the 19 season, because it was like, okay, like people saw the talent around the room. And that was the first time people got to sort of get their glibs on Luis Roberts. And it was the first time Eloy Jimenez was, was talking it up with the media. And this was coming off of his not being called up in 18. So you got to see what he looked like and just to see all the talent in the room, but it was all overshadowed by the, uh, Manny, Machado talk and conversation like that's one thing I'll never forget is being around 
Yonder Alonzo and the buzz that was in the building that night. Like, oh yeah, man, I just talked with Manny tonight, man, and we just we were just working out down there in Florida, and I'm trying to recruit him and blah blah blah. And then you know Rick Hahn answering questions in the presser. I remember seeing Matt Zawaski there during the press conference and. Rick Hahn, you know, getting mad at Twitter for for killing the Jock Peterson trade, and then like trying to deflect questions on on on, on uh, Manny Machado. Like it was quite a thing, but it was fun, and I remember it was so much fun because I got shit faced afterwards with our guy Barry Rosner and Joe Ostrowski. Uh, that was what I'll remember about Sox Fest of 2019. Because we just had a good time throwing back beers. Like, we didn't watch the festivities or the ceremonies or anything like that. We went to the hotel bar and we just got annihilated. And I had just moved into our new home uh, that year. Um, in the, 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 the fall before that. So, we went to uh, Art of Pizza after getting shit-faced in the hotel lobby in the bar there. And, South Loop location? Uh, yes. Uh, we went there with Eli Hershkovich uh, also. And I was just so hammered, and I just I had just moved, so I just remember eating pizza and being hammered, and then calling up an Uber. But I hadn't put my new home address into the Uber app yet, and <laughs> I didn't know my home address. <laughs> and I just remember Barry looking at me, just so disappointed. I'm like, I don't know my address. I just moved there. I never go to my own house. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like. I was just so hammered, but <laughs> it was it was just so much fun that year. And uh, I can't wait to have beers with Barry Rosner again, man. Once so once we're back to normal here. But Barry's anything but. But yeah, man. And then this past year in 2020 going there just casually i went for one day um just to check out the seminars and check out you know what what yasmani grandal was going to be on the panel and you know mar mazaro was on the panel and layla was the moderator and did a great job and so i remember talking on twitter with white Sox dave and uh, Alyssa bergamini and i was saying how like the craziest thing I was going to see in 2020 was the Lego replica of Guarantee Rate Field <laughs> that was at Sox Fest in 2020, and I remember walking around seeing that. So uh, that turned out to not be true. There was plenty of other crazy things ahead in 2020. But yeah, man, it, uh, it sucks that there's no Sox Fest this year, but we will be uh, taking part in 108 Fest this Friday, which I'm very excited about. We talked a little bit about that in yesterday's episode, but Herb and I will be on a panel. Uh, it'll be a virtual panel on youtube layla rahimi is going to be there the people at socks machine josh nelson is going to be there among others and the at from the 108 guys are hosting it and i'm really looking forward to that so check out our twitter page and their twitter page for more details on that as they become available but you're going to want to be tuning in on friday night as we do uh, our spot on from the 108 fest so uh but yeah thank you uh for the email there ryan i appreciate you we're wrapping it up here talk to us tuesday one final email. You know who it's from, Herbie. Damn right. My man, Uncle Pete. <laughs> Uncle Pete says this. What's good, turkey tits? I have a new segment idea I wanted to share with you. I'm calling Socks in Your Box. Oh, Uncle Pete. <laughs> Such a thing to say, Uncle Pete. Um, attention, White Sox Nation. Tell us your stories about getting nailed or an email from a current or former White Sox. We'll be doing this segment every hump day and look forward to your submissions. That'd be me soliciting uh, emails for socks in your box. So I guess this is not just autograph encounters or random street encounters. This is sexual encounters with a White Sox player, past or present. I, I don't think I want it. I'm not here for that. But thank you, Uncle Pete, for the suggestion as always. Thanks, guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't, I don't oh, want to. Last week was my man. Uh, his wife's got a, a top five list with AJ on it. That close to just giving it up. It's like, all right, go ahead, AJ. <laughs> that was close, week, yeah. Uncle Pete just wanted us to volunteer stories about having sex with white socks. Yeah, I don't want to hear about how somebody knew sucked off Rudy Law or something. <laughs> <laughs> Or like, you know, how, you know, the little hurt Craig Grayback wasn't so little after all. I don't want to hear about any of that stuff, okay? Ribby and Rhubarb, <laughs> they use me. Yeah, yeah, you're double teamed by Ribby and Rhubarb. Yeah, we don't, need, we don't need to hear that. And we still don't know which one is Ribby and which one's Rhubarb. Uh, but yeah, man, that's, uh, that about does it. Thank you, Uncle Pete, as always, for adding a little levity uh, to, to the mailbag for Talk To Us Tuesday. Uh, that's all I got tonight, Herbie. For Chris Tannehill, at Chris Tannehill is the way you follow him on Twitter. Me, Herb Lawrence, Ectorwall23 on Twitter. And the show is at Locked on Socks. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, it's at Locked on Socks. And YouTube, subscribe, hit the notifications bell. We drop these videos of these shows sometimes. Sometimes Tanny puts together a nice montage of some socks highlights. So, Hit the notifications bell so you can know exactly when we are going to be dropping some new episodes. So for Chris Tannehill, my name is Herb Lawrence. Thank you for joining us on this Talk to Us Tuesday edition of Locked on Socks.